Hi everyone and welcome to the Perma Podcast. Really great to be with you. It's James Prescott here, your host. And I'm delighted to welcome Caitlin Curtis to the podcast today. So welcome, Caitlin. Thank you. Um, and Caitlin is a blogger and an author. She's been on a few podcasts as well. She, um, yeah, she's a beautiful writer. Um, yeah, beautiful writer. So uh, go and check out her stuff. But we're going to talk to, she's going to share a bit of her story today and we're going to talk about her book, which is going to be awesome. I'm looking forward to reading <laughs> and comes out soon and um, some other stuff. So, yeah. Um, so tell us a bit about your story, Caitlin, and a bit about um, then, the, then the book as well. Um, yeah, I was, so I was born in Oklahoma, um, and, uh, as far as being, you know, Native American, which is kind of the, a lot of the story that I'm sharing right now in my writing and in my life, um, I grew up, um, on Indian, Indian territory in Oklahoma, and my dad worked for the Bureau of Indian Affairs, which means he was a, a police officer hired by the U.S. government to police in Native areas since he was Native American, and so, um, we spent a lot of time, moving back and forth from reservation to Indian territory, just living in New Mexico and in Oklahoma. And, um, and so I did that until I was about nine. And then we moved to Missouri and, um, Hmm. my parents got divorced when I was nine. And so kind of the roots of my indigenous, uh, self were kind of severed a little there, you know, just from the, the trauma of that. And, uh, you know, I was nine, so I was still pretty young. Um, and so, uh, as an adult, I'm kind of trying to regain that part of who I am. And so, um, if you have, um, you know, seen me on Twitter or Facebook, I just write a lot about being, um, a native American Christian. And so just kind of processing what it means to bring those two worlds together inside of myself. Um, and so, yeah, so I've been writing, I think I started my podcast like five years ago when my first son was born. I just wanted to have a, an outlet. And so I started writing and, um, I've been writing since then pretty consistently and I got my book deal, uh, last year. So it comes out in November. Um, it's called glory happening, finding the divine in everyday places. And it's basically just 50 stories from my life. And I wrote a prayer kind of a a poem prayer that goes with each one. And so they're just stories, um, about the, about glory. Like what is glory? What is the glory of God? How do we see glory in our daily life? And so that's, those are just stories that kind of came from the outflow of what I was processing and journaling. And, and so I just made it into a book. And so, yeah, so that's, that's where I'm at now. And uh, speaking at conferences. Um, I'll be speaking at Why Christian next year with Nadia Bowles Weber and Rachel Held Evans um, oh, wow. and a few other great people. Um, and so just kind of beginning that track as well and sharing my story. Um, and so, yeah, that's a, that's a little bit about me. <laughs> wow, that's a lot summed up in about five minutes. <laughs> um, yeah, it's interesting. I'm interested in your, like, how your background ties in with your kind of spiritual journey, like in, in contrast to kind of, I guess, what traditional American Christian background would be, you know, what was kind of your spiritual background in a sense? Yeah, I actually grew up Southern Baptist. So, um, 
uh, grew up, you know, going to pretty conservative churches with my mom and, um, most of my family I think was. So, so I had, um, it was a very positive upbringing. Like there was nothing, you know, I was very safe in church and I felt very secure in church, grew up in a Christian family. And, um, so it was in, uh, high school, end of high school and, you know, early college that I began to kind of step out of the Southern Baptist world. Mm. And, um, and so also not really realizing that Native American spirituality was a thing, that there was this part of being Native that actually affected my spiritual um, being as well. That that was never really a thought to me. It just didn't occur to me, I guess. Um, mm. And so late high school, I kind of, you know, I started going to like a non-denominational church, but, but I've never really been out of the church at all. And st- I'm still not. Um, and so... So yeah, I'm definitely not Southern Baptist anymore. Um, not not as conservative as I used to be. So kind of stepping further away from that and deconstructing a lot of the things that I learned in that space. Um, but really thankful that I got to grow up, um, as Richard Orr calls it, your container. So like that was my container, and and it was a safe container, and it held me, and it got me to where I am today, and I'm really grateful for that. Um, but yeah, so it's, so now, you know, I guess I would call myself a mystic, um, and, you know, being native, native American spirituality is already considered kind of mysticism. So, um, so kind of combining that with also deconstructing my faith from what I, you know, from leaving the the Baptist or the evangelical church and kind of figuring that out. So, so yeah, it's been uh, quite a journey. Um, and a pretty fast one. It feels like it's been very fast paced in trying to figure out yeah. where I'm. Yeah, yeah, it sounds, yeah, it sounds a very kind of, it one sense it sounds a very unique journey, but it also sounds a very familiar journey. Because mm-hmm. um, I know a lot of people who've been on the similar kind of deconstruction, reconstruction kind of journey, you know. Um, yeah. I've been on one. <laughs> the last yeah. couple of years of my life have really been that. Um, and I'm still in that, you know, and it's kind of a scary place to be, but it's kind of yeah. an exciting place to be, you know. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, like one of the things that we I've been talking about on the show recently is how we believe, um, as opposed to what we believe. So I mean, and I know that how I how I believe has changed recently like um and i talk about it in terms of closed hands and open hands you know like um like as in like instead of holding on to your beliefs tightly having an open hand to be guided and grow and go deeper and wider and you know and non-binary kind of way of looking at things you know um what's your kind of how do you believe That's a good question. <laughs> Those questions are so hard because I want to jump to some, to like what is tangible, which is what you believe, like the, the things you can name, you know? So I like the picture of, um, do I believe with like clenched fists or open hands? I think that's really good. Um, yeah. Hmm, how? I think, um, I think I've definitely moved from, a space of wanting to know everything to wanting to have more mystery, which is a more of a how for me than a what, because when something's that mysterious, you can't grab it. Like you can't say what it is all the time. 
Um, and I think just in the way that I, uh, name God as well, it's been more of a how than a what, like that, you know, in Potawatomi and my tribe, the, the ling- in our language, we, we call God Mamogosnan. So when we pray, we say Mamogosnan and, and learning like different names of God has been really interesting because it, it just kind of creates this universal like thread through all time and, and all people where God doesn't have to be a what or a being or a, but it just is this thing that, that holds everything together. It is like in itself, I think that is a how, like how things were, were created, however they were. And like that we can actually sit in that mystery has been really comforting to me, actually, even though that's also really scary because you don't have the answers. Um, it's been really good for me to let go of that as well, you know? And I think that's, that's helped me to step outside of maybe some of the evangelical things I grew up with to step, Mm. you know, step outside of that a little and not be so scared all the time. Yeah. Yeah. I, I I totally, yeah, I'm with you completely. Yeah. It's a question we don't talk about a lot. Um, yeah, this series I'm doing, I was doing, where this question has come up is called questions we don't we don't ask (laughs) um Mm -hmm. because there's a whole bunch of questions about belief and faith and spirituality that we just don't talk about and i just kind of i just remember writing down this list about a year ago just spontaneously of all these questions i had and putting it on instagram and like because it wasn't long enough for a blog post and it was just a bit of spontaneous stuff that I did and um, I thought well why don't I just talk about these questions with people because they're they're questions that we kind of need to talk about you know Um, the next one (laughs) the next one I want to talk the next one I want to talk about I need to discuss with like I'm trying to find someone to talk about with is why we believe Um, I don't even know my answer to that question Do do you like why do you know do you, what do you, what's your response to that question? <laughs> I don't think about that for a second. Um, sorry, I just sprung that on you. I'm really sorry. No, that's great. Um, so last weekend, uh, these questions are really what you're asking, or a lot of the questions that were asked at this uh, retreat I was at last weekend um, in New Mexico, and it was a group of activists and um it's like 75 of us just people of all different um faiths religions cultures um skin colors and we were all together and we were sitting under the teaching of Richard Rohr and so a lot of the things that he talks about are really fresh in my mind you know but some of that is he asked those kinds of questions like when we in our morning meditation it wasn't like who are you it was just like you just are and like, that's really hard for someone who wants something tangible or wants an answer. You, you don't always get that. You just have to sit in it. And, but the thing about, like I said earlier, the container that we have, um, the containers we grow up with are the whys, you know, why do we believe this way because of the way we were raised or because of what we grew up with. And then when you get to that deconstruct deconstruction part, which is where, you know, we're at now, like, Uh, you have to ask that at that point, like, why, you know, why do I even believe this still? Or, you know, do I still believe this? What is the why of it? Um, and that's been, 
really interesting for me. People have asked, like, why do I still go to church, even though as a Native American, I know that people, um, Mm. you know, killed Native people in the name of Jesus, in the name of God. Um, Why do I still want to be a Christian? And, um, And what I come back to a lot is that that people make mistakes and that I still, I know that who, who Jesus is and who God is did like, uh, Jesus wasn't the one who did it. Like, um, people can use God's name for lots of things. That doesn't mean that that God is behind it or that God, um, would recommend those, those things be done in, in God's name. And so the why of that was, that I know that my culture and my native identity are accepted and are, um, were created by God and were, um, made to flourish. And, and that goes to the stem of a lot of the problem in, in American Christianity with, you know, all of the stuff that you've probably read in the news, but just like our racism and our bias and all these things, all this political stuff that's happening, and we just keep coming back to this conversation, like in the beginning of our nation, the, what we created was Christianity mixed with empire. And it was all in the name of God. It was, you know, done in, in God's name. So, and so now we have to like separate ourselves out of that. And when I do that, when I decolonize my faith or, or, you know, step outside of the box again and deconstruct, um, the why is I still I still know that I'm held by something and I still know that I am valued as a native person, you know, or as a woman or as whatever I am, whoever I am. Um, and that to me is still apparent. I still know that. And I still see that. Um, even though it's hard, you know, um, I hope that makes sense. (laughs) Yeah. It's not, I mean, the reason I've been exploring these questions is not really to get answers. If you see what I mean, Mm -hmm. it's to, just stimulate discussion you know because i think that's where we kind of grow we kind of just it's in the kind of just engaging with these kind of questions it just brings up just draws up other stuff you know yes um so thanks thanks for that thanks for uh, for doing that like um yeah i hadn't planned on asking that actually but uh, (laughs) it just kind of came up um so Okay, so what what about like your writing journey? Where where did that all kind of spring from? Like where did that where was that kind of birthed? Um, Tell us a bit more about that. Yeah, it was so when my first son was born, my oldest, um, I wanted to just have a space to write, and so I I started my blog, and it's called Stories. And so um, you know, in in Native culture, storytelling is really important. But at the time I started my blog, I wasn't I wasn't um, doing anything, engaging my native identity. I was just writing like, and so storytelling was just already a part of me. It's always, always has been. And so I would just write stories like, and I would talk about, you know, stories about faith or stories about motherhood if I wanted to write about that. But it was just kind of like taking in these moments from my day and writing about them. And I did that for, yeah, like three years. And then we moved to Atlanta where we live now in Georgia and people started reading my blog more. And, um, that was really surprising to me because no one had really read it. So, um, before I was just like taken aback when people would be like, Oh, I read your blog post yesterday. And I'm like, you did. That's nice. Thank you. You know? And, um, and so I just started writing more. And so it's really been in the last 
you know, two and a half years that it has picked up a lot more in just, um, you know, everything goes through its, you know, evolution of, of how it works. And so mine has just been this steady change. Um, and so, you know, now my book is coming out in the fall and, um, uh, I'm working on a second book and I write for sojourners pretty often. And so it's just, um, and I still write through storytelling. And so that's always been a common thread and, and that's just the way that I write. And it's really important to me. Um, and I think for me, what has been most important is just that I've tried to be persistent in my writing. I've just, I write because I need it. You know, I write mm. because it's important to me and it's the way that I process is through writing mm. and storytelling is what I can hold on to, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. And how is your, how has your writing kind of evolved? What is, what has it kind of taught you? What have you learned? Like, because I've often found that when I'm writing, because I've, I'm the same. I kind of just write for myself a lot of, and a lot of the, uh-huh. a lot of the time. And what I've found is when I've been writing is that, is that it does something to you. You know, even if it changes nobody else, it will change you when you write something. Right. You know, what what's your been your experience of that? I think a lot of the time it's that catharsis of getting, you know, getting it out. Like if, if you're, um, for me, it's like the emotion or the, just the weight of everything that's happening in the world or something it's turned more now to injustices that I see. So like, you know, with native Americans, like things that are brought up or conversations that happen that I, that I know that I can speak to because of my own story, then I, I know that I need to do that. Like it is, you know, it's almost a necessity where it used to be more of just like, I want to do this. And now it's like, especially because I have a book coming out. So it's kind of shifted, um, into an actual career. You know, it's not just like a hobby. Um, but it's become like these conversations that I need, I need to start having, um, because they're important, you know, about native people in the church or about what's happening in the U S like those are all important conversations that I feel need to be brought up. And so through writing that, it's like, it keeps stirring me to not forget or to not lose hope either. You know, I think it keeps me going and it keeps me hoping, um, through the work of writing, you know, that's really, really been important to me. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I I just love the act of sheer creativity, you know, just raw, honest, just mm-hmm. writing, you know. One of the, one of the most, um, one of the most creative parts of my life was when I wasn't doing public writing. I was just writing every day on my phone, like just fifteen minutes every day on the way to work or whatever, yeah. you know. And I enjoyed that more than I enjoyed ever, ever enjoyed writing since or before. Like it was, um, and I wasn't doing it for anybody else. I was just doing it for me, and it was just, right. it was just much more I don't know that was a, that was an element of why I enjoyed it I think it was just that I didn't have to prove myself to anybody and I didn't have to yeah and I you know it's difficult to take that into when you're writing for an audience I think when you know people are going to be reading your stuff it it does get into your head a little bit I think mm-hmm. I find it does anyway I mean I you know um and you kind of find yourself trying to battling those kind of temptations to write for yeah. your audience you know um, 
Yeah, I think it's good to step back every now and then and have seasons where you only write for yourself or you have certain pieces or certain threads in your mind that are only for you to process, you know, that you know are personal things. Like, I think that's really healthy to have that a separate thing that you hold just for yourself, you know? Like, I think that does keep us balanced between the public and, like, private and what we're processing. Like, I think that's really good. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, I, yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, I'm trying to go to some good places. Let's talk about something really interesting. I'm thinking about like um, binary thinking as opposed to non-binary thinking. You know the um, non like the stuff that Richard Raw talks about. Yeah. You know, non-dual thinking and not and dual thinking. Like, if you haven't read, by the way, everyone, if you haven't read *The Naked Now*, go and read it. This is where it's all talked about. Great book. What's your like? I'm talking about kind of um, what's happening in America right now in terms of yeah. conservative Christian culture and stuff. I kind of see um, that there's this liberal, uh, this kind of liberal progressive kind of band of people who I kind of empathise with a lot and then there's a conservative band of people who are and there's a lot of people who are believing the same way with closed hands um and then there's there's not this there's not this kind of inclusive kind of non-binary way of seeing way of believing you know um mm-hmm. what do you think kind of the few I mean this is like a big question like but I know you've written about this before, about the church, about how the church can move forward, how the community of believers of Jesus Christ can, like, move forward from where we are and kind of escape from the kind of things that maybe we've been tied with, which don't represent Jesus, you know, and still kind of still be a community of believers. (laughs) I know, it's a big question, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I don't I've been, expect you to I've have been like the, this too. I mean, yeah. I don't, I don't expect you to have like final answers and all these kind of yeah. things. You know, you know, it's more a conversation really about this yeah. kind of thing. Um. Yeah, I've been thinking a lot about this because since I grew up, I mean, I I grew up conservative and now I'm more progressive, and so I can see both sides, you know. Um, mm. But I also find myself in some sometimes I find myself somewhere in the middle of, or, or even somewhere on the outside completely where I'm just like looking in, like watching the craziness unfold. And I definitely think that on both sides, there have been just the like intense hate, you know, that has, that has been on both sides, um, isn't okay. You know, like, and trying to figure out like, what does it mean to truly be someone who, who was chasing after Shalom, like the wholeness of, Mm. you know, of people. Um, and it's really hard because there are just things that are happening right now that are so wrong too. And, Mm. and, uh, you know, all those, like, who's responsible, like, who should we blame? You know, people always want to blame and, and it's so dangerous, you know? And, um, and sometimes you do need someone to blame. You need to be able to name it 
but there are also times that we just want to point the finger at whoever we possibly can. And so, you know, when we just start uh, calling out people who aren't like us just because like, that's not, um, I don't think that's the way to do things either, you know, but, Mm. but gosh, I don't know. The church is in a, the church is in a crazy place and, you know, it's on the cusp of this kind of its own disorder. You know, it's like, we're, I think that's, that was something else that that Richard Orr talked about at that, the retreat I attended was we're in this, we're in this time of disorder and things are just crazy and chaotic and, and I don't know what reorder will look like, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and it's hard. So to me, I just keep picturing, like, I want people, you know, when I write, you know, what I write about is a very sensitive topic. And when I write about being Native American, I could be, I could come at it as threatening, or I would rather come at it as I want you to join me at the table and let's talk about it. Mm. And I feel like we just, I feel like we need more tables, you know, I feel like we need more conversations in spaces where we can share our stories and I don't know, be vulnerable in that way with each other. I think that we're missing that a lot right now. Um, yeah. you know, cause it's easier to just have a, a fight on social media than it is to stop yeah. and really ask like, who are you and why do you believe this and what, you know, Yeah, and that doesn't solve everything, but yeah, I find myself wanting to do things which would upset those people that I, but I would have called my tribe, you know, the like the, the, you know, the liberal progressive kind of side, you know. Sometimes I feel like I feel like I want to do something which would, not deliberately, but I find myself wanting to do things which I know would upset them, you know, because I'm wanting yeah. to have a conversation with people who are different, you know, and I, who people just like write off completely and just say you're the enemy, um, because it's easier to do that than it is to actually talk about things. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, and I I think that remembering that, you know, it, it's crazy. My boys are are um, four and six, so they're little, and um, they love super. One of them loves superheroes, and they love ninjas. And and um, from when we're young, we're trained to kind of think like there's a good guy and a bad guy. You know, there's mm. there's this this kind of dualistic like good and bad, and and you know, in reality, like we're all capable of horrible things and really good things. All of us inside of ourselves are capable of that. So to actually like, um, you know, I think we sometimes have to pull that out of each other. Even people we disagree with that we know that you're capable. Like I know you're capable of good and I know that you're capable of evil. I know that I am capable of good and evil. Like where can we meet in the middle and, and acknowledge that in each other, you know, yeah. and still hold each other responsible. But there has to be like some level ground where we can at least meet in the first place. And that doesn't seem to be in very many places right now, you know? Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah. Yeah. These are good conversations. I think it, I think talking about it helps. I do. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's only when we kind of, it's dialogue. Like I love them. I always love them. I love the metaphor of the table and being around the table and just eating food together because that, that kind of levels everything, you know, like you come as you are to the table in a sense, like with all your prejudice, 
biases and biases and everything like that but ultimately we're all sharing in the food it's the one it's like yeah. the bread you know it's like you know that's why i love communion like because it's just yeah. everyone coming together at the table and i think we've i think we've lost that a little bit and i see it on social media like twitter especially like there's so much anger there's so much right. like violence you know in people's tone you know um even yeah. kind of in a passive aggressive kind of way and it's there's no like coming together around the table anymore you know and right yeah i think we need more of that yeah i think so too so i want to just like this I'll just come towards the end like i want to obviously you've got your book coming out and it's a big story so and you love telling stories <laughs> so, <laughs> so what's Thank your you. fa- what's like your favorite the like favorite story to tell that's probably the wrong question but the story that you love to tell that's moved you the experience that you've had that's 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 transformed you that's had a big impact on you let me think about <laughs> um you know i feel a bit bad I'll, for asking you all these difficult questions i'll think while i talk no it's great <laughs> i like it's sometimes that's better because you just like you talk you think from what you feel right away you know yeah um so the stories, the book is split up into eight sections. And, um, and you know, I looked up glory one day because I was like, what does glory even mean? Because when, when I was growing up, I always thought the glory of God was like this, like, you know, the sun shining down through the clouds, like very like heavenly and other, like otherworldly, like far away, you know? And I looked up and like the word glory means like something that is extremely beautiful. And I was like, well, I experience that every day. Like, you know, we were living in a two bedroom apartment and, uh, two, you know, two adults, two kids and a Husky. So we're all crammed into this tiny apartment. And, and, um, I just came to that point where I needed to see good things in my space and I needed to experience that and, and train myself to, to accept that and to be grateful for that. And so, you know, I had this tiny balcony with, plants and um and I loved sitting out there every afternoon and at night of course there were like cockroaches everywhere because it's Georgia so like just the like stark contrast of like beauty and then you've got Georgia bugs everywhere and like just um the like craziness of having two little boys just running around and this giant dog who needs to be walked every few hours and my husband's working on his PhD and he's it's really hard and it's stressful and um, trying to support him and and so it was just this crazy world in which I suddenly was like finding a lot of peace and um Hmm. and so one of the the stories that's one of my favorites from the book is um my son, Elliot, my oldest, one day we went out and bought a bunch of seeds to plant in our pots on the balcony and we planted them. And I told him, you know, the seeds can hear you talk, like you should talk to the plants. Cause I've heard that. I don't know if it's true, but I'm going to believe it's true. If you talk to your plants, they grow better. They're happier. So I told him that. And, and so, um, I went inside to get some water or something and I heard him talking to the seeds and he's talking to them like, how are you seeds? And he looks up at me and he's like, they are good. The seeds said they're doing good. And, and, uh, so he just spent all day singing to the seeds and talking to the seeds. And then from that, it just grew into, you know, when we'd go to the park, he would sing to the trees. And, um, and a lot of that is from, you know, from that native background of 
like seeing God in nature, which Christianity has lost in a lot of ways. Um, but it's also Mm. just, it's just who he is. Like, it's just, it's wired into him. And so that kind of was born in some of those early moments of my husband, like, you know, going on walks with him outside and teaching him to love nature. And then that time spent on our little balcony where he's talking to all the plants and just, you know, watering them and taking off their dead leaves, like really gently. And, um, and so stories like that, I have, I have quite a few of those, I think in the book that are just these like simple moments that meant that just like changed everything that meant so much to me. And, um, and so those are the kinds of stories and, there's so much going on in the world and we just, um, sometimes we need to just be tethered to what is really tiny and really Mm. like seemingly meaningless. But those moments sometimes are just like everything, you know, just like I stared at the bumblebees in my garden this morning for like five minutes and that was all I wanted. And that, in that moment, all I wanted to do was just look at these bees and, um, and I don't even know why, you know, sometimes you don't know why you just, you just need it, you know? And for some reason it fills you up and it reminds you that all this craziness going on, like things are going to be okay or that we at least can, can hold ourselves steady in that, you know? Um, and so that's, that's what the book really came out of. And, um, I'm really hoping that when people read the stories that they can recognize their own stories in them, you know, that, cause that's what storytelling does. It brings, you know, it brings out that aspect of someone else saying, Oh, like I've experienced something like that too. And that's my hope for it. Yeah. Wow. That's beautiful. That's so beautiful. And I love that being fully present in the moment, in the, the place that we are and in the, and seeing the divine in the small things like nature yeah. I love like I, I did the same thing as you once like I think it was last year I was I went out to a park locally and just sat there and looked at it was spring and so I, I sat on this bench and I did this intentionally I looked up at these leaves on the trees and I noticed all the different colours of this leaf this one leaf I mean the truth is full of leaves but I just focused on this one leaf and I noticed the different like unique kind of mix of colors and and it was just yep. like this amazing moment like in the middle of a busy day you know right and yeah i, I just great. like i love that you know and i i think i don't think like you're saying we don't talk about kind of the spirituality of nature enough uh-huh. for like connecting with the earth you know yeah. the food that comes from the earth you know and that, that gives us life you know and there's a cycle you know that of, of, of that and um my sister's not even not a Christian, but she's very into kind of connecting with nature and finding something supernatural, spiritual in yeah. in nature, you know. And um, that's helped me in kind of my own like journey with God is, you know, just seeing the divine in just the small little things because right. I think that's that's the, they're almost the most beautiful things. Right, anyway. and it's so pure, like. Last, um, there's this tree outside my window here in my office. And, um, last year, last fall, I noticed a leaf and there is an acorn, like just resting on the leaf and it stayed there for months. It didn't fall. And I was like, this is the most amazing. And I just was like completely like overcome by this leaf. And I watched it every day when I worked at my desk and I, and it finally fell 
um, in December or January, it finally fell. And I ran outside and I like found it on the ground and the acorn was still in the leaf. So it had, the acorn had like, uh, the, the cap was resting on the top and the body of the acorn was through it, you know, so it had stuck through the leaf, but it, I mean, it's windy here, you know, and it stayed all winter and it finally fell. And, um, and I was just like, so excited to go see it. And I grabbed it and I brought it inside and I still have it. And, and it was just like this leaf became, you know, we have these, these things that are Ebenezer's, you know, that, that are an Ebenezer. That's also in my book a lot is this sign that we know have known God, that we have seen God. And this little leaf for some reason was like something, you know, for every day that it held onto that tree, I knew that God saw that leaf and saw me and like, that was all I needed, you know? And, and I can't explain why it just was, you know? And, um, and I think there are those things all around us and it's not me being, you know, animistic. It's not, you know, it's not, um, bad. And I think that in, in the church, we've, we act like those things are bad somehow that you're worshiping a leaf instead of worshiping God or that you're, mm. you know, not seeing, and that's yeah. not it. That's never been it, you know? Mm, um, I agree. I'm completely with so you. I think we have some work to do in that area. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. That's beautiful. That's wonderful. Fantastic. This has been so good. It's been, it's been so good to finally kind of catch up with you and talk to you and have you on the yeah. on the show we'll have to definitely have you back maybe when your book comes out or something like that but um yeah i can't yeah. wait to read that book now so um yeah i can't uh, wait for you to it's out november 7th so november 7th Check it out, everyone glory happening on yeah. november the 7th <laughs> um fantastic so um thank you for coming on um really grateful for you coming on and uh, everything you said and being so gracious with my questions as well <laughs> yeah uh, thank you um great um so um that's uh, that's all for this week everybody um take care and i'll talk to you all soon